Praise the Lord. Amen. If you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles to John chapter 15. We'll read a few verses then, then we'll go to Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> Starting off in, in John chapter 15, and then flick back to just keep your finger. Right, beginning at verse 1 in John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 5. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And then a little bit further down in verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then Matthew chapter 19, Beginning at verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He says to him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honour thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Lord Jesus, we know that you have spoken, Lord, these words, and that these words, Lord, are, even throughout time, Lord, pertinent, meaningful to us even today. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to understand, Lord, the gain that comes through loss. In Jesus' name, amen. A young man, <coughs> we read, come, came unto Jesus. Good master. <coughs> Another interpretation is perfect Lord. What do I need to do? And Jesus, fairly straightforward, well, first of all, don't call me perfect. There's only one, there is God. But you're looking for eternal life. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be considering those things. A good thing to recognize that that is a valuable goal to be heading for. If you want to enter into life, you know what to do. 
you are a Jew. You have been brought up with these things. There are commandments. There are things you need to keep. Keep them. He says, which ones? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness on your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And maybe the least could have gone on. And the young man said, I've kept these. I've done it. But then he adds, what lack I yet? Or, what else do I need? He recognized that ticking off those things and eternal life isn't quite it. So he said, what else is there? I've done those things. I feel I've kept them, but there must be more. And Jesus, recognizing what he's asking, says to him, if you want to be perfect, he dealt with the heart. Go and sell that you have and give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. At that point, the young man became sorrowful. I've kept all these things. The dot points of rules that were provided that he knew about, that to keep, he kept. He knew that was a good thing to do. I have kept all these. But then Jesus narrowed in and he said, you've kept those things. But there is something else that you can do. And, I, and it might be something else for somebody else. But in your case, if you want to gain the, the eternal life, those things that you value higher, give up. In your case, it is your riches. Give them up. Come and follow me. He went to the heart of the matter. He gave a general answer. Initially, these are the things to do. You know what to do. Keep them. But he knew there was more to it than that. Because Jesus saw into his heart. There is more to do than to keep a list of rules. There's a need to deny self. Some things that are not part of a list of rules but are dear to you and are dear to me. And what do we get? We gain eternal life. We gain something of a greater value. What do we lose? We lose or we deny some things that are valuable to us. What's valuable to us and what's valuable to God are different things. If we are prepared to lose, we don't have to actually worry about the loss. We just look at, he didn't, the young man didn't come to Jesus and say, what do I have to give up? He said, what can I gain? And Jesus said, these things and this. And at that point he realized that the valuables in his life that young man realized that those valuables were held a little bit higher value than he thought. And that's why he went away sorrowful. It wasn't the riches. It wasn't whatever you may think of it was. It was because 
he wasn't prepared to give up, to gain that which was valuable to God. The thing is, when we are children, and we know this, <laughs> uh, or when we are parents, and we know that children are dependents. When we fill out a form, and they ask dependents, that means children, right? Dependents means that they are dependent on you for money. They depend on you for home, shelter. They depend on you to guide them. And at some stage, they'll become independent. When they are children, they are dependent on your guidance. Your guidance initially starts off as a list of rules. Because that's the only thing that they understand. But as they become independent... Rules no longer work because rules work. <clears throat> I'm not doing away with rules, understand. But there comes a time when independence brings, brings about judgment. Very simple example, and there's lots of examples. You know, we need to go to the other side of the road. And the rules for children are, depending on how old they are, you hold my hand. You don't walk cross anywhere, once they let go of your hand, maybe later, until there's a school crossing and there's a man there that stops the traffic. Or you don't cross anywhere until there's a traffic light. Or you don't cross until there's a pedestrian crossing. But you know what? In life and on the road, as you get older, you can cross the road anywhere at any time, just about. The worst cases, seen the movies, these guys being chased and there was a freeway, there's four lanes on one way, four lanes on the other, there's trucks going across and they shouldn't, but they get across. That's the extreme situation. But most times, the point is in life, on a road, not counting that extreme example, on the road of we need to get to the other side and most places on the road there isn't a man holding a sign. There are no traffic lights. There isn't a pedestrian crossing. And yet we understand we cross the road. Why? Because we have developed, we've gone from rules to judgment, to speed, to location. Maybe I shouldn't cross in this location, another location I can cross in. Um, the car slow down. Maybe I shouldn't be on this side of the corner or maybe that side of the corner. But we realize that at a certain stage... Rules are done away with. Now, the principle remains. I've got to stay safe. The rule is, don't get yourself killed. <clears throat> but children don't understand that. And so they have to follow, hold my hand. Until eventually, we cross the road here. There isn't anything here that's going to go. Which means that you might never be able to cross the road. Which doesn't make sense. So the rules don't apply, but the principles apply. So the judgment comes at independence when we become an adult. And the thing is we need to lead and guide children into independence. Help them to develop that judgment. And in fact, that judgment applies to us as children of God becoming adults as well. Jesus taught principles that were built on 
rules and situations, but they became contrary or at odds with the traditions of the rules that were to be kept. Many times, Jesus' miracles, dealing with people, occurred on the Sabbath. He did things that just graded those who knew the rules. How dare does he do that? That man was healed. He was lame. He was blind. And he says to them, you know, if it's a Sabbath, and if your ox falls into a hole, leave it there until the day after. No, you're not going to. So the point is, the principle, yes, we keep the Sabbath, but we use judgment as well. So here's a principle. In Mark 8, 34, 35, And we had called the people unto him, his disciples also. He said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We've heard this before and you'll hear it lots of times during your life. Because that's one of those things, that's one of those principles that God is looking for in our lives. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. This applies to me. This applies to that young man who came asking Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know what to do. Keep those things. But in addition to that, if you've kept those things, you know what it is that you need to do. Or what it is that you need to pick up or deny in order to gain. We need to learn to surrender, to abandon, because those things will allow us to save our lives as we abide in him and grow. Now the thing is, if we are not prepared to miss a good, wholesome, favorite activity that you take part in and that you gladly take part in, there's nothing wrong with that, that you look forward to, that's good for you, that gives you Right pleasure that you could spend your time in order that you could spend time with somebody up the road or across the street or somebody that you know that is in need, not, you are not prepared to give up your life. You are saving your life, but you lose it. If you are not prepared to give up your rest time to serve or to minister to somebody, then you are not giving up your life. You are not denying your life. You are saving a life, but you'll lose it. If you're not prepared to pursue people who are different from you in order that you may be a blessing to them, that you are not giving up your life, but you're saving it and you'll lose it. If you're not prepared to give up a desire, something that might be an extra cost or luxury in your life, which would allow you to use in order to support the work of the Lord, then you're not Saving, you're saving a life and you'll lose it. If you're not prepared to jeopardize a friendship, to risk rejection, to ruin your reputation so that you can tell others about Jesus and they may look at you like you're a bit strange, then you are not giving up your life, you're saving it and you'll lose it. The thing is, we can determine the value that we place on things in our lives by the effort that we put in place to preserve it or to obtain it. In the case of the rich young ruler, the effort that he 
had, maybe he inherited that money. I don't know. But he certainly placed great value in it because he wasn't prepared to let go of it. <clears throat> Every time I forego, I deny, I say no to something that I enjoy and that is wholesome, that is good, nothing wrong with it. In preference to the gospel, even if it is uncomfortable, then I am taking up the cross, I'm denying self, and I'm going on that journey. We read in Mark 9.35, Jesus said, And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. Sometimes we read things and we go, Oh man, I wish Jesus didn't say that. That's exactly the thing that he's asking you to do. When we hear, when we go, we just, I didn't really hear that. That doesn't really apply. It, there's, an, there's a justification, there's a reason why that's a good idea, that's a good principle. It just doesn't apply at this point in my life. The thing is, we know God tells us in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He says unto them, oh, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. I delight in you. God delights in us as children. He takes pleasure in you doing well. And he corrects you to do even better. We read, Paul says in a different way. In the New Testament, in Hebrews 12:11, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If you go through that, if you exercise through that time of chastening, it'll be it'll bring fruit. It is the duty of children, the Bible tells us, the duty of children to give reverence and obedience to the right commands of their parents and to submit to the correction of their parents when they have been disobedient. Parents don't only have the authority, but they're actually charged by God to do that, to give their children correction when it is due, and he has commanded the children to take such correction. That's in a physical sense. That's a principle that also applies in the spiritual sense. Jesus says, Very, very, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Principle of giving up, of losing in order to gain. So we go back to what we read first in John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 5, And I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, 
and ordained you. That you should go forth and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. A little bit of interpretation, a little bit of explanation, some of these things here. Different versions we can read and use slightly different words to explain some things. I am the true vine. Interesting, actually, that Jesus or the Bible gives us examples of different plants along the way. But when he talks about bringing fruit, he talks about a vine. A vine is not really a tree, and its wood is not good for anything, really. It's really a vine that is really only good for growing grapes. And um, maybe three or four months ago, uh, early spring, if you've ever been past the vine growing field, what do you see? You see a bit of a stalk, trunk, and there's all this wire, and you don't see much else. There is no, there are no leaves, there's no branches, there's no grapes because the branches have been pruned. Jesus used the example of a vine which is specifically used just to grow grapes. Its wood is not good for much else. Its foliage is not good for much else. It's for growing fruit. I'm the vine and my father is the husbandman. It's a word we don't use very much today. But husbandry is an old term that's used for farming, for looking after either, either animals or farms. In fact, if you read the, the different version of the Bible, it says, my father is the vine dresser. Slightly different explanation. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. We accept that. Bring it, get rid of it doesn't bring any fruit. What's the point? Get rid of it. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. Yeah, that makes sense. That it may bring much more fruit. Now you are clean. Clean. You can look at the different ways. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you in a different interpretation, different version. Clean. Actually, the Greek word is pruned. Now you are pruned through the word which I have spoken unto you. Um, he that buys in me the same brings forth much fruit but without me you can do nothing interesting that when we read he says I'm the vine and you are the branches and we go just pause and think about that I'm the vine you are the branches and then go back up every branch that bears fruit he purgeth it. Or at a different interpretation, he prunes it. Hang on. Every branch that brings forth fruit, you are the vine, I'm the branch, uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And if you're a branch that bears fruit, you'll be pruned. Ouch. Don't like that part. I'm growing. I've got fruit. Things are working. But Jesus says, you bear fruit, you'll be pruned. Doesn't feel nice. This, chapter 15, 
is near the uh, end of Jesus' ministry on earth. It's three and a half years after Jesus started. John has 21 chapters. The book of John is the only book that starts talking about the the last days of Jesus' ministry on earth going to Jerusalem and the supper from chapter 13 to chapter 21. 60% of the book of John is about the last few days of Jesus' life. The book of Matthew, which is 28 chapters, devotes two, two and a half, three chapters to that same period. The book of Mark devotes two chapters to the same period. The book of Luke devotes two and a half chapters to the same period. The book of John covers Jesus' ministry and then spends most of the time in the last few days of Jesus' life. And Jesus, in his last few days, this, what he said, I am the true one, happened after the Last Supper. After Judas left, and, he, and he's going, in the next day or two, there's going to be things happening. I've got to give you some really good instructions here. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. We accept that. But every branch that bears fruit, he purgeth it, and I am that branch, that it may bring forth more fruit. The purpose of pruning is not to inflict pain. The purpose of pruning is not to stunt your growth. The purpose of pruning is not to limit your potential. Believe it or not, the general purpose of pruning of fruit trees, and not all trees are pruned, but, we, but Jesus used the example of a vine, is to increase the yield, which means it grows more stuff. It yields more. There's a more growth. It improves the size of the fruit, the quality and the quantity of the fruit. Pruning stimulates growth. God knows the perfect time when to prune. There is a time to prune. God uses pruning. God's pruning occurs through circumstances in our lives that help us to grow in His character and appearance. Are you being pruned? Take comfort in that branches that are pruned bring more fruit. How are we pruned? Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The other versions will tell us, or even this interpretation translation will say, clean equals pruned. Now you are pruned through the word which I have spoken unto you. Keeping in mind, Jesus is at the end of his ministry, and he's going by the things you've heard before. The things that you've seen over the last three and a half years. The situations we were in, you are pruned, you are cleaned through the word which I have spoken unto you. I just picked out a few things. There's lots of things that John recorded. Now, keeping in mind, this is just John's recording. And and Jesus is talking to not just John, but everybody else. And they had their experiences as well. And they heard things. But Jesus says, everyone that does evil hates light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds would be reproved. I know I'm not doing something right. I don't go 
saying too much about it. I stay out the way. I lie low. But he that does the truth comes to the light. I don't have a problem. That his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought to God. When we hear that, we can ignore that. Or we can do something about it. Further on we read, And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. You have neither hid his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent, me, he says, you don't believe. You believe in me, you will be pruned. I am the living water which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. If any man will serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also be my servant me. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. It has the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him that day. These are the things that Jesus said to not just his disciples, but the other people as well. And that is, they are just some examples of things that may be used to deal with some things in people's lives. You know, John, James's brother, it appears that James was older, he was a fisherman, but when Jesus called them, we read that they left their father Zebedee with the hired servants. I don't know how many fishermen had hired servants, but they did. And then we read later, almost at the end, and there was a lot of things happening in between. It wasn't just Peter that went to the court when Jesus was being tried or kept and whipped. It was John as well. And John was able to go there because he was known to Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest. In fact, if we go back a little bit, we, re we find out that his family were of some reputation and that his mother along with others, were supporting Jesus and his ministry. And Peter and James and John were the ones who were given Jesus special in his inner circle. There was a little bit more to John than an ordinary fisherman. But through his life, when he was with Jesus, John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name. We forbade him because he followed us not. And Jesus said to him, Forbid him not, he that is not against us is for us. There's a little rebuke. And when his disciples, James and John, his brothers, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou the, the, that we command the fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elias did? But he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them. And he said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Calm down. You are with me. But the things you are saying aren't right. They need to be pruned. And they went to another village. John was part of a lot of the early work of the church. He and Peter were imprisoned. He knew what it was like to have loss. When we read that Peter was in prison and they had prayer for him, he was released. 
Herod put him in there because he was going to take his head off just the same as he did to James, who was John's brother. He knew what it felt like to have loss in his family, which meant that he was faithful and kept with God. John was one of the ones that was at the, uh, resolving the issue when Paul came back along with Peter and the other disciples about what the Gentiles should keep out of the Old Testament and what they shouldn't. He was the one that wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. I'm, we're saying that to say that there's a bit of credibility to John. But at the same time, there were things in his life when he said that he needed some pruning in his life. John wrote at the end, and many other signs truly Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these ones that have been chosen that are in here are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the believing you may have life in his name. The purpose of his writing was to lead people to a saving faith to obtain eternal life. The young man who came to Jesus was looking for eternal life. And he was looking for the right thing. He, in order to gain, wasn't prepared to let go of what he had. The vine can get cross. You know what I mean? It's a parable. Because it's being pruned. But when it's pruned, it experiences loss. It's that, that branch that was growing well last year. You know how many grapes came off that branch? How many kilos? squish it out and get some juice out of that and then he's just sitting there with no branches Jesus knows the right time the right place the right circumstance in our lives to prune and he is the heavenly vine dresser he is that father that taught us these rules that we can then build principles upon and we can then abandon or, or lose in order that we may gain something greater. The heavenly wine dresser, if we allow him to prune us, he will bring growth in your life. If you're prepared to lose the things that are valuable to you, you will gain the things which are much more valuable of far greater value and you'll have a far greater character. It's through the pruning process that God develops his strength in us and he molds us. We can use examples of God molding. There's the potter's wheel and there's the clay. We're being prepared to be molded. He will mold us to what he would have us to be, not what we want to be, so that we can gain that eternal life. That rich young ruler or the vine must be prepared if they want to gain, to lose what they may have. And let, let us be prepared. The things that we hold dear to recognize there is a greater dear that he holds. And rather than I've done that and I've done that, the Lord is dealing with me. Am I prepared to let go of that? Because I can be closer to him and I can be more like him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.